Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Their first round pick from two years ago, you know, out of Auburn, uh, who I'm not going to say his name because I'm going to get scared to say it, it, it you know, uh, Noah uh, Igubainier. I'm, 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 I yeah, need to practice it. Yeah, that's not even it. close. Your pronunciation of the name was so bad. It had Igubainier? the effect on me. Like, what is it? No, Igbenogany. It's Igbenogany. Yeah. But it had the effect temporarily of that little red light in Men in Black where it erases your brain. Like, you erased... <laughs> You erased the proper Look pronunciation from my mind, and right. I had to regroup. Look into so this yeah, Noah, little red Noah light. Ibnog- Look Ibnog- over Ibnog- here. Sorry, Noah. That, that's a great photo. It's just the wrong finger. That That's right. Chris wouldn't be pointing wouldn't be at it with that, that finger. Yes. One, one finger off. I'd be going. And it's okay to point. Why does the index finger right? Why have, does it get all the fame? Have for the, the monopoly on the pointing, I, right? You can point with any of the fingers. Valid question. You can point with this one. I you get can point it. With this one, you can point with this one, and you can point with this I one. I know. You point with that other one too. Same. It'll make the point for you. I mean, it really will. People are like, oh, you're oh. pointing over there. Okay, I got it. <laughs> hey, let, let, let me make let me make a point too. Yeah. Before we get into the show, not not because we're getting toward the period where things aren't quite as robust as usual and i don't want to use the other word slow season (laughs) let let me let me tell you something i don't know if this has happened to you yet but we've been doing this almost four years now the show's been on five years i don't know how many i've just i've lost track of time but i will from time to time have some sort of a weird stress dream about the show going completely and totally haywire and last night, I had one of those Inception moments. Remember that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio sure. where you're like, dream within the dream within yeah, the dream? right. And we did the show, and it was a complete and total disaster. It was off the air. There was B-roll of college basketball that was on instead, and they couldn't get the show back on right. And it was just this big mess, and we were all stressed out and upset. And then I woke up. From that dream into a reality that was still a dream, 
where I came in and we started the show and I told you what a disaster it had been in my dream and it became a disaster then. So now and it was another stress dream. So now, and I don't know. Am I so awake? Now in your I dr- don't quite know. Oh, well, you are. You're awake. I could definitely tell you that. There's no doubt about it. We're here, baby. Uh, yes, thank you. So I don't have so you have dreams. That that's funny. So you have dreams that the show fails. I don't I don't have dreams like that, honestly enough. I mean, it's your show. I don't give a damn if it fails. The hell with it. No, I'm just joking. But I still have dreams, Mike, of the I'm late for the game. I'm still a player. I don't know. Maybe my brain hasn't transitioned to life after football yet, which it should have because it's been a damn long time here. But like that's the dream I still have as far as the panic is concerned, that panic dream. It's I'm in the locker room and the guys are on the field and I can't find my shoulder pads like everybody's warming up. Warm ups have started and oh, no, my shoulder pads aren't here. Where the hell or everybody's out there and I'm late to the locker room. That's the one I'm still having. Uh, so maybe I need a few more years in TV and then I'll get there. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a fairly new development for me to have stress dreams related to this show. Right. Usually I have dreams about phases of my life that are over from time to time. I'll have the dream that I'm thrust into a courtroom for a trial of a case that I don't know a damn thing about. And I'm making it all up on the fly, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. That's usually the stress dream that I have at this stage of my life. So this is fairly new, and I huh. hope it doesn't continue because it was just weird, and it felt real. As bizarre and as awkward as it all was and everything was out of place, and you know when you – Think about it. There's no way it would have been anything but a dream because you have all the strange little goofy things happen. At one point, you were so upset, which is realistic because anytime we have technical difficulties, yes. you are the one that completely and totally crumbles. <laughs> you were complaining to Matt Casey, the show's producer, and he said to you, and I quote, if you don't like it, you can leave and you'll get a grape and a banana slice. That was his quote. Wow. Is that a thing so, to get a grape and a banana slice on the way out the door? Is that a thing? It is now. Maybe that's the new <laughs> That's such pack. a random, a weird quote to have in a dream. <laughs> what? I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. So, Classic uh, Matt Casey with the, gra- the grape slice uh, <laughs> banana comment. <laughs> and I can't even say that I drank last night. I had a little cocktail. We sat outside and watched the Penguins beat the Islanders. Take that, Casey. Uh, got the little TV set up that you roll over, and it was a nice evening. And, I, you know, no no reason for me to have these crazy multi-layered dreams. But I did, and I'm glad to be awake unless I'm not. We'll find out. We'll see how the show goes before we make any judgments on whether or not this is just the latest layer and level of the PFT Live stress dream. Some stress <laughs> dreams likely happening for Joe Burrow as he tries to get himself ready to play this season. His surgeon says he's on track for full go for the start of the 2021 season. Now, there's different ways you can look at that, and I'll talk about that in a second. But the idea that he'd be 100% come week one is significant. When you consider the severity of the injury, when it happened in the season, more than just a torn ACL, badly torn ACL, other damage to the knee, to be ready to go at the start of the season is great. But if you say he's on track for full go for the start of the season, that could imply that he won't be full go until the start of the season, which could impair his ability to prepare training camp and preseason. Yeah. No, I I mean, I I would think, yes, things are all, I mean, as we hear or read or anything, things are going in the right direction. 
It's just about, you know, how far along down the road do they get as far as training camp's concerned? You know, where's he at when it starts? Oh, okay, he's at 80%. All right, well, we're going to have to, you know, come up with a detailed plan as far as how we want to practice them, how much wear and tear do we want on that leg, you know, so we can let it get stronger, get closer to 100%. So I would think those things are going to be evaluated kind of, you know, on the fly. Yeah, he's on track for a full go for the start of the season. Yeah, full go. Okay, full go too. I mean, that, you know, implies a lot there as well, right? I mean, like you talked about, it's not 100%. That doesn't mean he's going to be the same Joe Burrow we saw before the injury. And that's that's one of my concerns. And to me, that's one of the things that I think will kind of be paramount to the Bengals' success to a degree, Mike. I mean, we how many weeks did we talk about it last year? How slippery this damn guy is. How great he is at getting out of trouble, right? To me, that's going to be the big thing is how far along is he in that process to be able to make those plays that we, you know, oohed and awed about last year. Yeah, and uh, that that really is a question for a team that that is trying its damnedest to become competitive in one of the best divisions in yeah. all of football. And at what point do you protect the guy from himself? And I say that because you didn't get a lot of sense last year as Joe Burrow was playing with reckless abandon each and every week that the Bengals were all that concerned about protecting him from himself within the confines of a game. Yeah. Now you got to protect him from himself as he pushes to get back and get ready to go against the Vikings, the Bears, and the Steelers, not three cupcake defenses right out of the gates. Definitely not. And I, I would I would hope that because of like the circumstances you're talking about and everything like that, that there's a little bit of a different approach from the Cincinnati Bengals because of that early on in the year. You know, first off, I don't know, Mike, I think you and I were both shocked with how much they put on his plate to start last year, right? I mean, we were shocked. It was it was Joe Burrow, shotgun, let's throw it 45 times a game. And you're right, they had, you know, not a plan to protect him. I mean, he was getting killed the first six, seven weeks of the year. I mean, one car crash hit after another. So I, I would hope that they're not going to play that style of football to begin with either. I don't know if that's sustainable. To just say we're going to drop back and throw it 45, 48, 55 times a game. You know, well, you got these old linemen, you got Joe Mixon, and you got a quarterback who can be a superstar. So don't put it all on him to be in the shotgun and make all those plays and everything happen, especially early in the year when he's trying to get back and get back healthy. Yeah, hey, look, it's going to be a challenge for the Bengals. And Zach Taylor, the third-year coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, there were rumors making the rounds late last season that the Bengals may make a coaching change, and it got to the point where the Bengals had to issue a statement right. the day after the season ended that they're not firing Zach Taylor. That is an unusual move, but it just shows you that they understand there was something to it, not simply because we mentioned it or wrote about it. I mean, the rumors were out there. There was an expectation people that I know and trust that it was actually going to happen. I don't know how close it came, right. but that has more urgency for Zach Taylor this year. He's going to want to get off to a good start. He's going to want to change the narrative. The team has not been good the last two seasons. They were so bad his first season that they got themselves in position to get Joe Burrow, but they're going to have to make some strides quickly. And when you have two games against the Browns, two games against the Ravens, two games against the Steelers, that is not the way to an easy record that gets you close to 500 or on the right side of it. And the good news is no 500 records anymore, barring ties 8-8-1 eight, eight, is the only way 
that can that, happen. That's the tough so. thing about them, right, Mike? I mean, they, they could be better and improved, but in that be division. 11. I know, exactly right. You're exactly right, right? And then, you know, Mike, another thing I'll ask you just a little bit about Burrow, like how much do you think that conversation uh, with Zach Taylor and the Bengals coaches had to do with the fact that the quarterback did get hurt? at the end of the year do you think that like management kind of looked at them like hey what the hell why did you get the guy hurt why'd you kill him every week I mean you know how would you feel if you were the owner of the Bengals with this whole situation well you get yourself quickly into a circular logic where okay hey the team sucked this year well yeah we stunk because the quarterback was hurt we would have been better if he wasn't yeah but you got him hurt by not protecting him better but wait a minute you're not providing me with the players I need to protect him better I think at the end of the day here's the reality Mike Brown owner of the team does not like to pay his coaches to not work and if you have time left on your contract that the Bengals would have to buy out that is the best protection possible against you getting fired before that period in your contract ends that's how it works so uh and that's why I think it was so significant that the rumors were out there that the yeah. Bengals were even considering it because they don't like to fire guys before their contract gets to the point where they owe them nothing more. So we'll see. I think a lot of pressure on Zach Taylor this year, and that pressure could influence the extent to which maybe they rush Joe Burrow onto the field before they should. The reality is he's going to want to go. He wants to compete. He's fearless. He's fearless to a fault. He is. He's fearless right. to the point where it hurts him and the team because he – He's not bashful about putting himself in those those compromising situations. And I could see him pushing to get out there week one, even if he's not as ready as he could be. Yeah. No, I think he is that kind of guy. I agree with you, Mike. I mean, he's a he's a psycho in a good way. You know, I, I say that with with, you know, uh, with redeeming qualities that I like about him. Yeah. He puts his body on the line. You could tell he loves the sport. He's consumed by it. And he lives on the edge on a play-by-play basis with the, with a lot of the magic he pulls and slipping and sliding through the pocket and making plays down the field and all that. He was awesome to watch last year, and he has a charisma about him and a way about him that can change an organization that's been in the dumps for a long time, and that's why it hurt to see him get hurt because you felt like things were kind of changing around. Just the belief in that building, everything like that. And that's where it's going to be interesting this year to just kind of see where it resets, where it all goes from here here going forward. Yeah, and uh, Burrow, a key part of the future of that team. And as we see quarterbacks in other cities become dissatisfied with their situations, you better make the guy happy. You don't want him to wake up one day and say, I think I'd be better off for the balance of my career with a different organization. So the Bengals need to get help around him and they need to inspire some confidence in Burrow that he's not wasting his career with a team that has perpetually been in that, in that muck ever since they had the five straight playoff appearances, none of which resulted in a playoff victory, which just adds to this perception that this team can't get out of neutral. And it's going to be even harder in that division with the the three great teams that they have to compete with. Now we're going to do a comeback player of the year draft Coming up in hour number two, there's a chance Joe Burrow will make an appearance on that list when we do that later in the program. There's another guy, I guess, who could be on that list. His name's Antonio Brown. He did not do much last year as a, a, a supporting member of the, the Buccaneers receiving core. And th- this is a strange situation that came to my attention late last night. It was three weeks ago today 
that Antonio Brown's agent made it known that he had re-signed with the Buccaneers. Yeah. Three weeks ago today, one day before the start of the draft, Antonio Brown has agreed to terms to rejoin the Buccaneers. And, hey, that was the moment they got the band back together, fire the cannons, everything's great. We got everyone back, all the starters and the key back up like Antonio Brown. So here we are, and I, I didn't realize we'd never had the statement from the Buccaneers. Never. Antonio Brown has re-signed. He's not on the roster of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bruce Arians, coach of the Buccaneers, appearing on the Pewter Report podcast, addressed the fact that Antonio Brown remains not an official member of the Buccaneers. Here's Arians. You know, he has to pass the physical. And, uh, you know, he, he hopefully um, will have a scope on Tuesday, get his knee cleaned up, and, uh, and everything will work out fine. We wanted A.B. back. You know, he was a model citizen the whole time he's been here. And uh, we wanted him back. And, you know, he's never had surgery in his life. So, uh, so it's just a matter of getting the physical done. And uh, so, yeah, no, I've, I've wanted him back the whole time. Look, that's fine. Okay, when you hear it, when you read it, okay, no big deal. But when you think about it, what the hell's going on? He's getting knee surgery yesterday, May 18th. He's getting knee surgery. Is this surgery from the knee injury that knocked him out of part of the playoffs? He did play in the Super Bowl. He didn't play in the NFC Championship. Right. Is this some knee injury that happened after the fact? Has he already had a physical that he failed that resulted in him going to get the knee surgery? There's a lot there, Chris. And other than last year when the pandemic dramatically complicated the ability of guys to get physicals done because you couldn't physically go get your physical, this never happens where you have a three-week lag between, hey, we got Antonio Brown, and oh, wait, he still has to pass a physical. I, I, it's, I, it's odd. tempting I to agree. just shrug at it, but I think there's something more there potentially. I think it'd be foolish not to ask – what the hell's going on? I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, your example is odd. Okay. The, you know, in the NFL, it like this doesn't happen. You know, what you said or even, hey, we're agreeing to terms and then we're going to do the physical and go through things like that. You know, I just feel like that's odd too. Oh, that, we're going to take a look at it. There's a knee problem. Hey, we're going to sign you back. Now let's take a look at your knee and do all that stuff. I mean, that to me is odd how the whole thing kind of shakes out there. It, it definitely does. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And yeah, I, I guess it's, I guess I also think about, you know, the recent off the field stuff. Does that play into it? I mean, of course that always comes up when you think about Antonio Brown and all that, that, you know, process. Uh, so yeah, I, it's kind of one of those, Mike, where I, I think I'm going to be like you, I'm going to question it a little bit until, I see it, and then I'll totally believe it here because, again, they are st stacked at wide receiver as well, and it's not like he's a necessity. I know he's still really good, but he's not a necessity, and I just I wonder maybe if they're having second thoughts or something like that. It's not uncommon for the physical to follow agreeing to terms. It is uncommon for it to follow by three weeks. That's very yeah, uncommon. Right, right. Usually it is done bang, bang. You'll see the report one day of the looming signing and then the next day comes the official statement from the team that so-and-so has signed a contract three weeks is odd unusual I don't want to say unprecedented because then I'd have to 
research and see is there some situation or, in the past where there's right. been a delay other than last year when for multiple players there were protracted delays remember the Todd Gurley deal in Atlanta yeah. it took weeks and weeks right. because of the pandemic here's my theory Chris and I don't think this is high level short sleeve dress shirt red yarn everywhere conspiracy theory I think this is fairly obvious when you consider the broader circumstances when was this announced by his agent? It was announced the day before the draft right. began. Right. So other teams see that. Oh, they got Antonio Brown back. Well, they're not a team that we are flagging as a team that may draft, wait for it, a receiver. And in round four, what did the Buccaneers do? They took North Texas receiver Jalen Darden. Who can round play? Four. Fairly high in the pick uh-huh. process. Last year, Tyler Johnson from Minnesota, who came in and had a great impact, especially in the postseason, made some big catches there. Oh, and they still have Scotty Miller. Oh, and they've got Chris Godwin. Oh, and they've got Mike Evans. Look, th- there's a chance that Antonio Brown's already served his purpose for the 2021 Buccaneers. There's a chance that this deal isn't getting done. And announcing it the day before the draft was all about providing cover so when they take Jalen Darden... No one else is watching lower on the board saying, we better jump them if we want Jalen Darden. If you're watching the Bucs in round four, you're thinking, ah, they got Antonio Brown. And and again, this is not next-level conspiracy stuff. This is just the gamesmanship that happens during the draft. And the fact that it was announced unofficially the day before the draft began, you can't rule out the possibility that the Bucs knew damn well what they were doing in striking that deal pending a physical yeah I you, you might be right Mike and and oddly enough really it's a guy that plays a position that's similar to, to Antonio Brown and has kind of a similar skill set I mean the dude a, a Durden out of North Texas can really fly I mean really fly he's like you know it's it's Tyree kill three rockets up your butt type of speed Mike that's what we're talking about he's a real weapon so I don't know the fact that yeah maybe that was the plan or they didn't expect him on the board, and then he, you know, whoa, he's there still? All right, we got to take him. Does that affect, you know, now going forward, going, well, maybe we don't need to re-sign Antonio. We got a guy that we didn't really think would be there in round four. I think there's a lot of different possibilities. And, you know, even to, hey, Mike, just one thing I wanted to clean up for my own personal uh, speaking. You're right. I know most guys, you know, you do the contract, and then you get the physical after. What's odd is not, it doesn't go down like that when you're, signing with the team you were already on. That's where I should have been clear. It's what usually when you, even when you're going to be a free agent and you're going to re-sign with that team, that team has been keeping up with you medically because of after the year, we check the knee, we do those things. Usually you end up getting surgery by that type of team. And then they start going, hey, yeah, we're going to re-sign you. Let's do one more checkup after we sign you on the knee to make sure it's okay. That's where I, I, I misspoke and maybe didn't explain that clearly. Well, and, and I think this is what you're getting at. Right. Don't they give every player, whether he's going to be a free agent or not, an exit physical on the way yes, out the door? Exactly. Yes. Right. And, and usually we didn't hear if, anything about Antonio Brown failing that. Nothing. And usually if a player has an issue, he makes it very vocal right away at the end of the year because it, he wants it. 
the NFLPA, everybody, you know, all the, 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 the paper trails that keep track of your medical issues for after football, anything like that, or just to get the problem fixed right away, you tell the team, you know, my knee's been bothering me, you know, maybe can we go, you know, look at it, get an MRI, it's been bothering me for a while, and then that starts the process of, okay, let's fix it. That's why it's just weird that it's happening now, and we're going to sign him, but we didn't sign him, and now we're going to have a surgery and look at his knee and clean him up. I mean, I'm with you. I just think it's a, an odd way to do business in the NFL. Questions that arise, did he pass the exit physical? If he did, what happened between then and now? Did he already take a physical in connection with signing this one-year deal to stay with the Buccaneers, and did he fail at necessitating the surgery? It's entirely possible he suffered a new injury since the end of the season. Maybe he thought the knee was fine, exit physical passed, and then he starts working out. I mean, the guy's going to be 33 on yeah, July 10. right. So, uh, and he's never had surgery. Well, he may have all sorts of stuff floating around in those knees that may be affecting his ability to run like he used to. So these are all fair questions. And by the way, one last thing yeah. about the fourth-round pick that was spent on a receiver. They traded up, the Buccaneers did. They traded up. They were getting nervous that the guy they wanted wasn't going to be there. So that feeds into the idea that there was a little bit of gamesmanship going on in making it known to the world that Antonio Brown is going to be back just before the draft begins. That gives you that layer of cover so you can go get that receiver you may be targeting in the mid-rounds of the draft. And do they really need Antonio Brown at this point? Not really. They don't. Bruce Arians made this point. Hey, hey, that's sixth spot on game day. That's going to be very competitive. Yeah. Who's going to get it? You got Evans, Godwin. Brown, Miller, Johnson, and now you got the rookie. The fourth rounder that they traded up for, they gave up a six-round compensatory pick to move up along with the fourth-round pick that they already had. You think they're going to cut that guy? No way. No way. He'd have to have the absolute like worst camp you could absolutely have to get cut in the fourth round for a guy they traded up. He'd have to really like fall flat on his face. Yeah, I mean, Mike, I'm, I'm with you. When you put it out like that, it, it, it almost like, Kind of seems like what are they really going to sign him? Does that that doesn't even make sense? So I don't know. I, Bruce doesn't BS much. We know that. So I'm going to take him at his word. It's Tommy's boy and Antonio Brown. He is a veteran who can do a lot of different things, and you could throw a lot on him. You know, even like this play we're showing here. That was, I think, a a little bit of a a, a route where he had to read the coverage and that's where like Brady wants Antonio Brown like hey you got to be on the same page as me we this is this is different kind of play it's not just like hey I call a slant it's like I want a slant if the guy's on the outside if the guy cuts you off on the slant I want you to work the slant and then come back out right it's those type of things and I think that's where Brady's going to continue to pound the table for a guy like Antonio Brown because he can do some of that Julian Edelman Wes Welker stuff and Brady can have his trust there but, you know, I, I want to bring up a point, and, and I, I pissed some people off, sorry, Manchester, a couple of weeks ago when I dusted off, well, I wasn't the one who dusted it off. Nick Saban's the one who dusted off the fact that the Dolphins could have had Drew Brees, but it was the doctors who said they can't sign Drew Brees. And my point was, if Nick Saban's really in charge of the football operation and he wants Drew Brees, he keeps asking doctors for opinions until he finds one who says, go ahead and sign Drew Brees, because, oh, wait, the Saints did. Hey, maybe the maybe the Bucks have decided the way they're going to deal with Tommy on this is say, sorry, I, he just can't pass a physical. 
We want him. You want him. We all want him. He just can't pass a physical. Now, Brady's been around long enough to see through that if yeah. it is BS. Right. But that's an easy way, Chris. It You're is. not saying to Tommy you can't have you can't have your buddy on the team this year. You're just going to have to settle for Gronk and maybe Julian Edelman if his knee <laughs> recovers. But but you can't have Antonio Brown because the doctors won't let us sign him. I'd love to sign him. I want him here. That's why Bruce Arians maybe says what he says maybe. and downplays it. Hey, it's hey, no way. big deal. All he's got to do is pass a physical. All he's got to do is pass a physical. Oh, Oh wait, he didn't. Oh, pass oh, we went in there and scoped Sorry, it. Didn't look good. It's not. It's still. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not what we thought. Okay, yeah. No, you're right. That's that would be the the great way to to escape the situation. And I, I don't know. I mean, I I was like shocked by this yesterday because I was just like, damn. You know what? You're right. We never really got an official signing. It kind of just we just took it for granted and moved on. And now I get, it's got me thinking. And now I'm to the point where it's like, I got to see it to believe it here over the next few days to really think he's going to be back. And, and it, it, is, it is funny. When you read the story that was posted by the Pewter Report website, it, it buys in completely and totally to Arians downplaying. And, and I think that's part of the price you pay sometimes for access because I think the last thing that they want to do is call BS yeah. on Bruce Arians after they just got him on the podcast. Right, right. And they're going to say, hey, this guy's telling us something that may not be accurate. <laughs> yeah, right. But, Come back again, but Bruce. That, <laughs> but that, 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 leave, leave that to us, Peter Report. We got you covered here. I, I think, because it's funny, they posted the tweet with their story and they tagged me. They tagged the PFT account on Twitter. That's how I became aware of it. And I, and I saw it. I had the same reaction you did. What the hell is this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He hasn't officially been announced. Right. So I think sometimes when your gut tells you something's going on, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Something's I, going on. I agree. And you and, got as good a gut as anybody. Nobody's got better pasta I, and meatballs than you in there. And, and here's what I'm going to do. After the show or maybe during one of the breaks, if I think of it, I'm going to ask the Buccaneers, did he pass his exit physical and has he already taken a physical and failed it? Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll see what they say. Maybe they'll answer it. Maybe they won't. But whatever they say is going to be instructive on where this thing potentially heads. All right. One reason for Antonio Brown to have gotten the surgery a long time ago, if he was going to get it at all, is so that he could be available for the offseason program. Get in there and compete. Now, I know that the Buccaneers are one of the teams that have said their players aren't going to be there. And Tom Brady's been at the forefront of telling players to stay away. And look, this year, it's not like Tom Brady can do much anyway because of his own knee surgery. But, uh, if you're healthy and you're there, you enhance your chance of making the team. Brown not there. Other players choosing not to be there. And the union, as we've said, is making progress. They have victories. They have pelts on the wall and or the horse that aren't being publicized the way they should. The Eagles have joined the Colts in canceling the mandatory minicamp, the centerpiece of the offseason program, the three days when everyone thou shalt be there the Eagles have agreed to cancel it in order to entice guys to volunteer to be there for whatever the Eagles are going to do instead. And I feel like the union is gradually piecing together these victories one team at a time. And I, I, I don't know how else to say it. Union, you need to publicize this. Don't rely on guys like us to figure it out for you, although we did. A lot of people aren't paying attention to it. A lot of people aren't stringing the popcorn that way. You need to put the statement out. You need to put the list out of all the teams that have made concessions because your boycott of the offseason program is working. Yeah. It's working. It is. We all said it would fail. Guess what? It's working one team at a time. It is. It's it's working, and, and it's rare that 
something like this works or you win against the NFL and the owners and the coaches and all that. So, yeah, put a pelt on the damn horse or the wall. I mean, you do deserve it. I wasn't shocked to see, like, the Eagles fall in line after. I mean, the Colts, right, Eagles, their whole coaching staff came from the Colts. So there was obviously some conversation there about, hey, what did you guys do? What exactly? How did you approach this? All those type of things. Hey, mandatory minicam, it's not as serious as it used to be back in the day. It's not. You know, now it's really just become, you know, even before the pandemic, just another OTA where by rule the coaches were allowed to keep you there longer and make the practices more aggressive. But rarely did they really ever become more aggressive anymore than the OTAs. So I think the coaches are probably willing to concede that and go like, here, yeah, you can have that. Fine. Great. No three-day mandatory minicamp, but we get you here for 12 OTA days or 10 OTA days and some other work days. And I think that satisfies the appetite of the coaches generally. And they probably feel like they don't lose a lot on the back end and make the players feel good and like they have a voice and they're working together as a team and a coaching staff and the players to be cohesive. And I'm guessing that's what's going on. I'm a little, I'm a little shocked by it, really. I really am still. I can't wrap my head around all this. The Eagles have decided after meeting with players that this week will consist of meetings and on-field sessions that focus on fundamental schemes and strength and conditioning. Then two weeks after that, on-field drills, but no 11-on-11 and no 7-on-7. That's an amazing concession. That is. Again, Union, no one is going to herald your success better than you. Don't count on someone else to do your PR. you got to do it yourself, and you got to get the word out that you are getting these victories to push back against the people in the media who are wired after years. I, I still don't get why so many people in the media are wired to be anti-NFLPA. I think one of the theories is there's a lot of friction between the union and agents, and a lot of agents whisper to reporters negative things about the union, and the yeah. reporters just run with them right. because it's it's uh, intriguing to see this drama play out and to hear members of the union via the agent community who are regulated by the union criticize the union. And I think this is an area where the union needs to be praised, and they need to spend some time praising themselves the Broncos have another Juwan James situation on their hands Deshaun Hamilton he was going to be traded veteran receiver with a 2.183 million dollar salary this year he tore his ACL working out away from the facility after a trade was in place they were going to let him go they did that whole thing where hey we're going to cut this guy and they wait for the phone to ring and then they worked out a trade yeah and the trade can't go through now because he tore his ACL while working away from the facility it makes no sense whatsoever but here's what does make sense no 2.183 million this year for Deshaun Hamilton. So he he joins that short list league wide. Two guys from the same team, Juwan James, Deshaun Hamilton. Worst case scenario of what happens when you work out on your own away from the team facility. Hey, th- this is still you know the, the the what do they say the shock reverberations or whatever. It's still going through the league from the player standpoint. I I I mean it's just it's amazing. I think that how few like I've talked to a few coaches around the league that they're shocked with how few people and players on their team actually knew about this type of stuff I mean it's it's a real thing hey I'll, I'll say it right here I was Drew Brees was in the building here right the other day right Drew Brees I'm hanging out with him I'm talking we're talking ball we're talking about a bunch of different things Tariko brings up the Juwan James situation 
All right. And Drew, I, I said this like because he knew I'm going to say this on the air, but he was even unaware that you're working out for football outside the facility that they could take the money away from you. So my point is... That's because they never would have done it to him. I know. They, never, they never do it to him. the stars. You're right. They don't do it to right. Terrell Suggs when he's the, like a defensive player of the year and playing basketball. You're right. But still, nonetheless, the point is, though, Drew Brees is an NFL lifer and has a lot of knowledge of the NFL PA and the union and all those type of things. And it's just a, it's a major tidbit that's you know in fine print that players just don't know about. They don't know. It was, they're, they're, they're caught off guard, and I'm shocked by it. I really am, and I think that's one thing where leadership messed up a little bit for sure. There should have been more of a big red email or FedEx package that said, if you get hurt, you don't get paid outside the facility. Um, so I just found that fascinating for even for Drew Brees, right? I, I, I know that they got that warning. I know they got that warning. You know who the you know who the Broncos players got that warning from? They got it from the Broncos. Yeah, they, they got it. They were given right? yeah. voluntary options for workout programs right. that they could engage in on their own with in red letters and underlined. The team is not responsible for any injuries you sustain working out away from the facility. And you know, I've heard from a lot of fans and fans are just wired to be anti-player and that bugs me to no end. Folks, these are the people who make the game go. These are the people who are out there taking the physical risks, taking the risks cognitively that they're going to have long-term issues when they are older, more likely than the, the general population, to, to develop dementia and other cognitive brain problems. But be that as it may, you know, the, the feedback is, hey, if I get injured away from work, nobody pays me. I only get workers' compensation if I suffer an injury on the job. And there is some basic logic and appeal to that. And I look at it this way. If you are going to do the things that your strength coach has told you to do, these are the workouts you should do. And you got a place where all the stuff is there for you to do those workouts. And you know that if you get injured there, your surgery's covered, your rehab's covered, your salary's covered. I, I don't, I, if you're, if you're anyone other than a star whose position is secured and whose salary is going to be paid, no matter what you do away from work, if you're in that broad category of guy who has to worry about what may happen to me if I do thumb my nose at the team and work out on my own and get injured, you, you, you just need to be in there. Yeah, that's all there is to it. I mean, that's it. You know, we've, we've hit it. Yeah, okay. But even with all that said, that's what makes it more impressive to me that the union has been able to leverage a better offseason one team at a time because the teams could have just sat back and said, hey, go ahead, work out on your own. Go ahead, go ask Juwan James how that played out. Right. I I'm glad to see the flexibility from the coaches who understand, you know what, last year we didn't do crap. In yeah, the offseason. We'll take anything. Guys year. worked out on their own. Right. And and we st life went on. Yeah. The difference is going to be this, Chris. The teams that have the full and complete, no concessions, no reductions, no limitation offseason program, are those teams going to be better? That's what I that's what I look like. I look at New England and San Francisco right now, and it seems like the attendance is through the roof. And there's just not even a discussion about it. Because Shanahan and Belichick, and I'm just saying this is just two. I'm using an example. I know there's others out there, but they have guys on their team that are, 
you know, psychos and love football, and that's the only guys they've drafted or signed to free agency, and that's how they build their teams there. You're right. I would think they're going to have an advantage. And really, I just wonder if this is going to change off-season workouts and everything going forward in general. I mean, obviously it is. But obviously, I think if the coaches want to, you know, take back some power here and get the players back in the building, maybe this is what they got to do a little bit too just to go, hey, okay, no more 11-on-11 drills, no 7-on-7. We could do one-on-one, throw routes versus air, work our techniques and drills, do things like that. Maybe they're in the building a hair longer during the week during these times so they can have a little bit more of extended walkthroughs and 11-on-11 and 7-on-7 type stuff instead of it being full speed and then you get the incidental contacts and people get hurt that way. Maybe that starts just a new approach to off-season training and football in general, which – you know, I wouldn't be opposed to. I think there's certainly some benefits to, to doing it that way. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Not that I need to invite you to do it, but you were there for it. I remember back during the time that you were playing, I would hear all the time the complaint originating with the offensive and defensive linemen from off-season workouts, 11 on 11. They wanted to wear pads. Yes. Because they were getting hurt right. by helmets hitting their unprotected shoulders yes. because it became full speed exactly. without pads. Right. That's what those off-season practices were. Well, think about like think about it this way, right? You're doing 11 on 11. And yeah, everybody knows it's not full speed. But you still got a defensive line coach in the back that's going, "Hey, get through your gap. Get down, get low." And he's trying to impress this guy. And maybe he's a young guy. So now he's going full speed, right? And now the left guard who doesn't want to go full speed and doesn't want to get yelled at by his coach now, he's got to go harder because that guy's going harder. And then all of a sudden it does. It almost becomes like a contact, you know, scrimmage without shoulder pads, and it does become dangerous. And there's no doubt. There was players back then that were like, no, I'd, I'd rather wear it because the walkthroughs or anything like that became a little too intense to what you're saying. So that's maybe where they got to get rid of that. The seven-on-seven, seven, you throw a ball over the middle, the safety in the corner and the wide receiver run into each other. Maybe they do do away with all that, and they make it more individual and drill and walk-through base as they go forward. You got the young guys trying to prove themselves, too. They got that's nothing right. to lose. That's right. They'll, they'll go ahead and risk injury with no pads on if it gets the coaches. Uh, attention. I, I remember Les Snead, the GM of the Rams, on with the program a couple of years ago when Aaron Donald was holding out, staying away from the offseason, trying to get his contract. Snead joked, you know, it's kind of good not to have him here for the offseason because I mean, he'll he blows ruin up it. a walkthrough. Right, yeah. right. We can't do anything. Aaron Donald's on the field. He's throwing guys around. That's just what Aaron Donald does. So that that's, that's what football players do. Yeah. You, it's not like removing the battery from the Energizer Bunny to take the pads off of the football player. The football player still is the football player, regardless of how much protection he's wearing on his body. Yeah, that's right. Especially if he's a young one too, like you said. That they're they're trying to prove and they didn't you know, they didn't do walkthroughs in college a whole lot. Like, yeah, you're you're 17. The hell with walking. We're going to run. We're going to be a run through. <laughs> and on the NFL, there's true walkthroughs. And, like, the young guys always have an issue adjusting to that. They're like, wait, wait, we're really walking here? Like, because they're still running around and doing that type of stuff, let alone if it's a real 11-on-11 thing. Then the intensity can get, you know, pretty intense. And, yes, that can, it can cause issues. 
All right, let's take a break. When we return, the 11th best quarterback in the NFL appreciates very much that his front office listens to him and all that that implies. More PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Look at that. Whoa. Mike Davis. Whoa. Jumping from the Panthers to the Falcons in the offseason. And the, the, you know, as Pete Demolite has pointed out during the break after careful study of the photograph, the thighs are amazing, but the calves are kind of small. The, the small calves make the thighs more impressive. Or could it be the thighs are just so big? That's a, that's a decent-sized calf. It just has no chance in the juxtaposition of that of that thigh. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think it's a, probably an impressive calf muscle. I mean, again, he's a running back. Running backs usually don't have gigantic calf muscles. They're really fast and have, like, kind of a sprinter leg, knee down. But, like, hey, running backs are some of the most physically gifted people on the planet. And pound for pound, as strong as it comes, that's insane. That's insane in the membrane. That looks like there's a 20-pound turkey stuffed into his quad, <laughs> and it's, like, cooking in there. I mean, that is unreal, the size of that. How do you how do you get pants off the rack when you have a quad like that? They're, they don't, don't. sell, you you right? Don't. There's no yeah. way. Yeah. You got to get a yeah. custom fit. Running back. All I can think now is, yeah. Mike, is that a 20-pound turkey in your pants, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, Liverpool. What? That's an old joke. They've been saying that for years. It's for They've years. Been that for it's years. 2021. That's nothing. Come on. Uh, Who cares? Um, <laughs> anyway, impressive. Impressive physical specimen. And you got to be if you're going to make it to that level of football. There are human beings who are just made differently than the rest of us to be able to play and function at that level. For quarterbacks, it includes the ability to throw a football far and fast and accurately, and Matt Ryan, one of the best at doing that over the past 12 or 13 years. Here he is talking about his future with the Atlanta Falcons, the only team for which he's ever played, and the fact that he believes he's appreciated by his organization. 
you know, I understand I'm, I'm not going to play forever, but I also, you know, have the mindset that I'm still playing really well and, and have, you know, a lot of good football in front of me. Um, but the most important thing to me is it, it comes from the belief in the building, the people who are actually making decisions, uh, the people who, um, you, you know, are with you day to day. I think there's been a shift uh, for sure, you know, during during my time in the NFL, um, you know, where guys ha have become more vocal about certain situations. And, um, you know, I think that's a good thing from a player standpoint uh, is 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 you want some of that. You want it, your voice to be heard. Um, I, I feel like, you know, within our organization, you know, within the building that I've been in, I've been in a, a really fortunate spot where my voice has been heard. Uh, and I've always felt that way and always felt appreciated. But, um, you know, so I can't speak for other people's situations. I, I just feel fortunate that mine has been, um, you know, as, as solid as it has been for, for the better part of 14 years. Uh, hey, look, smart, tactful, but also instructive on what other quarterbacks are dealing with. They do listen to Matt Ryan they in do. Atlanta. And, and, and that's the thing. You don't have to do what the guy says. You just give him a seat at the table. Yeah. Let him attend the meeting. Don't tell him, we, we're we fine. You go do whatever it is you're supposed to do. We'll do what we're supposed to do and, and do your job. This how, That's how it works. You don't tell us anything. We don't want to hear it. No, that that's not the attitude that works. But, by the way, I've – I've known about the concept of the farmer's tan for years. Matt Ryan's got the farmer's sunburn. Did you notice that? I did. Yes. Did you, I mean, oh, at first man. I thought he had caught. At first I thought he had caught the Bruce Arians disease. Yeah, he's where just going the same color. Skin takes on the color of whatever yeah. shirt you're wearing. Right. But you can see the the rim there. That's uh, yeah, sunscreen, Matthew. Come on, you're old enough to know about that. Seriously. Anyway, and uh, he's whiter as me. He's got to be careful down there in Atlanta. Far more importantly, this is a guy that still has gas in the tank. This is a guy that even though they're in the process of out with the old and in with the new, you don't throw overboard a guy who is still among the better half of quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know where he falls between 11 and, and 16. Maybe he's 11. I don't know. <laughs> but But he's not a guy that you say – all right, we're just going to get rid of him and we're going to roll the dice with a rookie who may or may not be anything special over the course of time. No, no doubt about it, right? We had this talk a lot during the draft process. I mean, this day and age, 2021, quarterback being 36 years old, like who gives a damn? That's like the, you know, that's it's truly, I mean, there, there's been like a change. It's like a 30-year, a 36-year-old quarterback is a 30-year-old quarterback from 15, 20 years ago. It really is. That's where we've gone. That's how far sports science and, and the training and everything like that has all, you know, done for quarterbacks, especially uh, to play longer in the NFL. I mean, and he's still really good, like you talked about. I mean, yeah, you don't give that up. A guy that's got at least three really good years left before you're even worried about, like, oh, man, is he in trouble physically or anything like that? Yes, I, I just don't think you abandon ship on that type of formula uh, for a for a we think type prospect at pick number four we think he might be good and all those type of things so Matt Ryan like he said he's still playing at a very high level they haven't been great they've been an injured football team and they can win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan and to me that's the number one thing if you can answer that then you don't really give that up you don't give that up and that's still a, a real answer for Matt Ryan they had a Super Bowl one with Matt I Ryan. know I know
It's that's crazy. the reality. Yes. They were up 28 to 3. Now, look, I think that the failure in that game bears the fingerprints of many. And I've made the argument in the past that whoever called the pass play when they were in field goal range that resulted in the sack that took sure. them out of field goal range, right? right. That that Peyton Manning potentially shows a finger to the sideline and and doesn't call that play. But there's only one Peyton Manning. Matt Ryan called the play that was in, that's that right was sent in and and uh, so but 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 regardless, he, yeah, he's an MVP. He had the team up twenty eight to three late in the third quarter of the Super Bowl, and I, I I've been a believer that the Falcons are never going to truly recover from that moment until they have full and complete turnover of the roster. But that's not. That that belief, that theory, that hypothesis isn't nearly strong enough to say you get rid of a guy who's still got gas in the tank, who has been among the better quarterbacks in the NFL for the bulk of his career. Yeah, that's right. You know, and 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 we hired a new coach who the offensive system fits the quarterback that we currently have on the roster, and. You know, Mike, like you, you, you make a good point there. You're right. I, I don't know. Maybe they won't ever get over it, you know, as an organization. I don't know if, you know, I think Matt Ryan can get over it. That, that's all I'm saying. I don't think if he got back in the Super Bowl, that's going to affect him in any shape, way, or form. I, uh, at least I don't think it will. Um, but he's just done a lot of good things. And, you know, it just shows, too, like I know we showed, like, the we're, because we're bringing up Matt Ryan and some of this stuff, too, about – He's got an organization that supports him and an owner that's always, like you've said, at least takes what he has to say into account. Not that they're going to go, oh, whatever you say we're going to do, but, oh, this is what you think, Matt? Okay, now we're going to go talk about it. Hey, Matt thinks this. You know, it doesn't mean they do it, but they've always made him feel that way. And he's the number two pick of the draft. They've supported him with talent throughout his career. And yeah, he feels comfortable. They've done a great job. I mean, it's a crazy. We showed Rodgers and Matt Ryan. I mean, what what we got now? Matt Ryan's got what four first round picks? He's throwing to Aaron Rodgers zero. Right, right. It's he's got Hayden Hurst, Kyle Pitts, Ridley, Julio Jones. He's got two top ten picks, a top twenty three pick, and a top twenty eight pick to throw to the football. Throw the football to, and uh, that's not fair for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> You know, there's still that possibility Julio Jones is going to be traded after yeah. June 1. And, and I feel like the way that that all came out, the Monday of draft week, the Falcons are hoping that someone will make them an offer. His salary is guaranteed this year. The Falcons probably would have to pay some of it. There, there hasn't been any real traction, but but who knows? All it takes is one team to make a phone call at the right time for it to happen. But, but if Julio Jones is there, yeah, Jones, Ridley, Hurst, Pitts, my goodness, and Mike Davis with those thighs, I mean, he's got a chance to be the starting running back. Definitely. They don't have, a, a, you know, a, a, guy. A, a, a high-end guy right now. Right. It's going to be a, a committee approach in all likelihood. So, uh, I look, when everyone's 0-0, zero and zero, it's easy to say don't sleep on, insert name of team. But it's not like anyone has the Falcons pegged to be among the worst. I was looking at the lines. Westgate has all the lines for every week, the betting lines, and – Teams like the Texans, the Bengals, the Lions, the Jaguars, they're the ones who are 
week in, week out, more likely to be the team that isn't favored to win. I just don't think the Falcons are in that cut of teams this year. I know. Even with a new GM and a new head coach. No, I don't either. I just think, you know, there's there's too many talented guys on the roster, right? And now, yeah, you got a head, co- a head coach who's coming over is going to bring a pretty tried and proven system from Tennessee that I think the personnel fits. So I'd be shocked on the offensive side of the ball if that doesn't work. And then, hey, there's – there's some talent. The defense is going to be a different, a whole different look. That's where I'm. That's where I think a lot of this could fall on too. I don't question this Falcons offense what they can do. I expect points and and you know consistency and all those things. But they are leaving the Dan Quinn scheme and now going to Dean Pease, which is a little more of that Ravens New England multiple defenses, bigger up front, not as small and fast and those type of things. So I, that's another big piece of the puzzle, just how they can kind of bring it all together as a team. And did they get the right personnel in there to make that change, you know, in the system to, to make it work uh, for, for their defense? And it's critical that a team like the Falcons take full advantage of the offseason program so they can teach those players the new yeah, defense. Yeah, right. You're not, I don't think you're going to hear about mandatory minicamp being scrapped for the Atlanta Falcons this year. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, an offensive lineman – available in trade as we get closer and closer to June 2 when it becomes easier and easier from a cap standpoint. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Trent, when did you decide to come back? Uh, you know, I you know, miss my guys, man. Miss the Hogs, miss, you know, Brandon and Morgan. So why'd you hold out? Um, you know, I just asked for, you know, a, a couple of pizzas and uh, a Pepsi and uh, didn't work out. But, you know, I'm here now. So that, that's all that matters. Time to get ready for, uh, you know, the Eagles week one. That was Morgan Moses a couple of years ago, pretending to be Trent Williams, who sat out eventually all of the 2019 season in a dispute with the Washington football team. More, Moses said at the time, it's about time someone like that stands up. It's not just a situation here. It happens throughout the league. To have one of our peers like Trent to stand up like that means a lot. Well, now there's an issue between Morgan Moses and the Washington football team. Looks like both sides are ready to move on. He's received permission to seek a trade, which is a precursor to Moses joining a new team if they can trade him. And it suggests that if they can't, maybe he won't be with the team anymore. He's got a $7.5 million salary this year. Chris, how surprised were you by by that well I I guess I'm surprised from the fact that he's a he's a good player I mean he is he's you know I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's like one of the five best right tackles in football right Mike but he's not far after that when you get into that conversation so I'm just interested to me to me I I mean yes he's been a staple of their team you see here on this graphic how much he's been playing ever since he got drafted out of Virginia Everything like that. He's got all the physical attributes you like. I mean, but to me, Mike, I just where I, I'm interested is you know where where did it go wrong? What what is the issue here? You know, it looks like it's a it's one of those type of things where you got a guy who's a good player. He's got two years left on his deal. Um, he sees there's young guys on the roster. Was he asking him for a new contract or talking it? Wanted to restart those conversations and didn't get the answers he liked? I don't I don't know. But either way, Washington has a plethora of offensive linemen. They really do. This isn't the year to ask for more money. Though. I know. Anything, so I don't. I just wonder. Maybe how they're it went influenced down. by by dumping seven and a half million. Maybe right. With with what happened from the pandemic, you, you pick up some money if you trust the younger guys. That's the thing that you never know for sure. How much a team trusts the younger guys. But when you do that analysis and it breaks down to dollar for dollar, 
do we get better value by trusting the younger guy than paying $7.5 million to the veteran? That's really the question, and only the team knows the answer to that question. No, I, that's right. Only the team does know, but they have a lot of tackles on their roster. They do, and I think that's probably where they might be able to look at it and go, to your point, we're, we can save some money here. You know, for a guy that, you know, most likely we might be, we, we might be looking to move on from after the year anyways. You know, first off, they just signed Charles Leno, right? The old Bears left tackle, so that gives them some flexibility. They drafted Sam Cosme out of Texas, who I would think is going to be in the mix to start at right tackle or left tackle, right? Preferably left tackle, I would think. Starting last year at the start of the season, they had Jerron Christensen, who they had drafted a few years before that, who was their starting left tackle. He got hurt, so he's back in the fold and healthy and ready to go. So you have him. They have Cornelius Lucas, who's also on the roster, who's played a lot of tackle around the NFL and for Washington. So I think they have they looked at it and went, wait, we have guys that we could plug and play here and maybe not be quite as good, but not much less is what it says to me. Not much less for far less the price. And maybe that's what they're they're trying to do business here with. All right, let's take a quick break. When we return, Cam Hayward says that Ben Roethlisberger, quote, still has the goods, unquote. Is Cam Hayward right? We'll delve into that next here on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 